have your Bibles open with me to, um, we're going to look at um, John 21. And we're going to, you know, just going to look at this particular passage really, really briefly. And I just want to say, I guess, just officially, Happy Mother's Day to the mums in the room. And uh, thank you so much for the effort, the tireless effort that you do, the thankless job that you perform. And even those that aren't in the room that are listening, maybe online, um, goes out to you too. Thank you for all that you do. Who you are. Just having a baby doesn't necessarily make you a mum. It's all that hard work and... Yeah, it doesn't stop just, you know, when they start walking, it keeps going. It doesn't even stop when they leave house, it just keeps going. So, yeah, thank you. Um, but I think um, this, this story here that we're looking at tonight is the story where, where Thomas um, sees Jesus. And uh, um, let's just go through it real quick. Here it is. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, um, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, last week we looked at when the other disciples saw him. Now, Thomas wasn't with them. And so here he is. Um, now he's with them. He's with them. He's, he's one of the twelve and um, he's with them. But, but he said to them, uh, and they've said to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Um, I get Thomas. I understand him. Like I'm pretty sure we, a few of us have been like Thomas. In fact, I'm pretty sure all of us have been like Thomas. And, it, and I hope, I hope, in one sense, that we are like Thomas. Because what Thomas does, the disciples, the disciples are so ecstatic. They're, they're overjoyed because they've seen Jesus. They've seen the risen Lord. And they have shared the good news. They've shared the good news about what Jesus has done for them, how he showed up in their locked room. Remember, they were in a locked room. They were afraid. And he showed up. And they shared that with someone else who happens to be Thomas. And Thomas is like, okay, guys, no offense. Look, you got your faith. That's fine. But um, unless, unless I have my own experience. Now, some of us have got some Thomases in our house. Some of us have got some Thomases in our life. And I like that because it's sad when people grow up with the, with the idea that being a Christian means, you know, it's something that's like it's in the culture. Like, you know, oh, my mum was a Christian, so I'm a Christian. You know, I go to church, so I'm a Christian. Or I, I do certain things, or believe a certain list of rules and regulations, so I'm a Christian. But really what it comes down to is, have you met Jesus? Have you personally had an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ personally yourself? Because that's what it comes down to. And the disciples last week, those guys in the room, they encountered the risen Jesus. And they're like, wow, this is good news. Let's share it with someone. So Thomas is with them. And we see that it's, it's, uh, it's Thomas who is um, the same Thomas who was like, when, when Jesus was going to go and raise Lazarus from the dead, Thomas is like, let's go with Jesus. Let's go and die with Jesus. Let's go and get persecuted with Jesus. We're going into enemy territory. Let's do it. And now he's like, I'm not doing it unless. Unless I see, unless I touch. I like it. 
unless I put my finger where the nails were, unless I have my own experience. Now we've got a, we've had Thomases in our family growing up. You know, being a pastor, you don't give birth to Christians. You know, so no one gives birth to Christians, do they? God doesn't have any grandkids. Did you know that? God is the father. He's the father. He's not the grandfather. So you actually have to have your own encounter with the father yourself. You can't rely on someone else's story or someone else's experience or someone else's encounter with Jesus. You can't piggyback on someone else's faith. Faith is something that each one of us have to have personally in the Lord Jesus, in the risen Lord Jesus. And so Thomas actually really just wants to have faith. Now, I, I kind of relate. I can, I can relate to some of the Thomases in my life, in my family, my immediate family, and even my further afield family. People that have had experience with Jesus, they might have heard some of his teaching, but they haven't actually met the risen Jesus, haven't actually received him as their Lord and their Savior. But when they do, oh boy, when they do... And so we see here in John 20, verse 26, it says a week later, I love the New Living Translation. Was that, was that you reading that, Jono? The New Living Translation actually translates it perfectly. See, in the NIV, it says a week later. Anyone else got a week later in theirs? Do you have eight days? Come on, it is eight days. It says here a week later in, in NIV, but it's actually eight days later. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So here's right, eight days previously, Thomas with the disciples and they share the good news. Thomas is like, unless, unless I touch, unless I see, I won't believe. In other words, what he's saying is, if we flip it around, he's saying, if I see and touch and have my own experience, then I'll believe. If. If I, then I will believe. Unless, unless I, I won't believe. If I, I will believe. Does that make sense? So he actually says, basically, if I can just touch his nail marks with my finger, if I can just put my hand into his side and touch his skin, if I can just do that, I'll believe. I'm going to believe when that happens. Now, we've got people like that in our lives, and that's, that's okay. That's okay. Because we don't want them to piggyback on our own faith. We want them to have their own encounter. And I believe tonight, for Mother's Day, that's a real good, powerful word. Because there's some mums in the room that don't have people that are walking with the Lord. They're a bit like a Thomas. And they're piggybacking on your faith. They might have been to church, they've been around Jesus a bit, but they don't actually have their own encounter. They haven't had an encounter with Jesus. Their own personal experience of the risen Jesus faith faith and so here we are eight days later eight there's the number right eight really powerful that there's this number eight in the bible now you don't really probably don't know why I don't know but um number seven anyone know what the number seven really means in the bible it's a complete number it's perfect so so God um I don't know anyone here believe in a seven literal day creation like seven literal days, like actual 24-hour periods. God, you, you believe that God created everything in seven literal days. Wow. I don't know what you're reading. I believe in six literal creation days. 
and one 24-hour period of, of, of rest for the Lord. Yeah, I know. I always get the Christians. I love it. It's fun. It's so fun. But seven, is the, he's completed. He's finished. He's resting, right? That's done. Seven days. We still have seven days a week. Anyone noticed? <laughs> and, and Jesus, he, he died on a Friday. And he rose again on a Sunday. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. So he died on the, the, the day before the Sabbath. Then he rose again the day after the Sabbath, which is a Sunday, which is not the first day of the next week. It's the eighth day of the previous week. Eight in the Bible is a number of new beginnings. New beginnings. Brand new beginnings. So um, there's a reason why God decided to have each male Jew circumcised on the eighth day. Because they're clean on the eighth day of a new beginning. It's a new beginning, circumcised, physically clean. Jesus rises again on the eighth day. People put their faith in, in that spiritually circumcised heart clean. That's amazing. And it's a brand new beginning. It's a brand new start. Jesus was um, the sacrificial lamb, I guess, of the Old Testament um, Passover celebration, right? And the sacrificial lamb was to be selected on a certain day. And it turns out that when Jesus died, he died on the eighth day after that selection was made of a sacrificial lamb. So he was chosen as the lamb and he died. Oh, sorry, he rose again. So he rose again on the eighth day of that Passover celebration. A brand new beginning, a new covenant, a new testimony, a new beginning. And here we see somebody who gets a new beginning. And his name's Thomas. And he won't unless, but he will if. I love that. There's hope for those people in our life that are like him. So Thomas is with the disciples eight days later, after he said to them, I'm not going to unless. Thomas is with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So here they are again in a locked room in Jerusalem, the city of peace. And Jesus says, peace is with you. Peace be with you. This time Thomas is there. He's declaring to them something that's already in them, the peace of God. Jesus breathed on them. Remember last time he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so he's given them a mission. He's given them power. He's given them authority. And he's, and he's sending them off. And officially he inaugurates that in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. But here he says the same thing. He says, peace be with you. A third time he says it to the disciples. It's a greeting. But he's declaring something that's inside of them. It's that peace that God gives, even in the midst of a locked room, even in the midst of a storm, Jesus can sleep in a storm because he's got peace. And he opens his mouth and what's on his heart comes out. And now the storm's at peace because Jesus can do that. And so in those times of doubt for those people like Thomas, where they just they love your story. They're not going to judge you what you believe. You know, you've got your experience. You've got your faith. That's fine. 
but I need to see this. I need to experience this. And, and Jesus knows that. And he knows exactly how to bring peace to that person's heart. He knows exactly where that person's at. And it's great because Jesus turns up how many days later? Eight days later. So something new is about to begin. This is John's way of, of telling the, the reader that something new is about to begin. Something new. And I don't think it's something new in Jesus' life or the disciples' life, but it's something new in Thomas's life. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. In fact, what Jesus is saying here is stop unbelieving and believe. Stop having no faith and have faith. Okay. Jesus said to Thomas, so picture that, picture the scene, right? Here's the disciples and Thomas. And they're in the locked room like last time. And Jesus comes in. He says, peace be with you. And then he just like ignores everyone else and turns directly to Thomas and then addresses what Thomas said eight days ago. Now, I didn't notice that, but did you notice that before that Jesus was in the room eight days ago? I mean, how did Jesus hear what Thomas said? How did Jesus know how to address Thomas's question of unless or if? Ever thought about that? I mean, oh, Jesus is omnipresent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but he's also got, you know, he can eat fish and he can be in one place. Yeah, he's a human being. He's resurrected. But I reckon he was in the room. Because here we actually see Jesus turning up to the, whoa, went forward too far. Jesus turning up to the disciples in the room. The doors were locked. It says Jesus came and stood among them. He appeared to them. He just appeared out of nowhere, right? He was already there, I reckon. I reckon he was already there. And I reckon he was there eight days ago because he heard Thomas say, unless. And he hears the Thomas in your life and my life every day. God, if you're real, if, God, if God's real, mum, he's got to do this. You know, I've got to see this, you know. You have your faith. You go to church. I, look, I want you to. It's great for you because you're a much better, nicer person to me when you go to church and spend time with Jesus. Thank you so much for doing that. But for me, unless he does something in my life, I won't believe, right? But Jesus sees that. Jesus sees their doubts. Jesus sees their heart. And he knows exactly how to address them in their own locked rooms. Jesus addresses Thomas in his own locked room and he knows exactly how to do it he, he comes straight up to Thomas and he's like okay here I am put your finger put your hand sorry I've got to flick it forward again ah, wrong way he said put your finger here in other words bring the finger of you and put it right there just come on just do that Thomas he knew what Thomas needed he said, see my hands, reach out, put your hand, do it, do it, do what you want to do. Do what you need to do to believe. Does Thomas do it? He doesn't do it. Your Bible and my Bible don't say that he does it. In fact, that is backed up by Jesus' statement. You believe because you see. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. No mention of touching. Thomas doesn't need to touch Jesus anymore. Why? Because he heard. He heard the voice of Jesus say, here, put me to the test. 
And Jesus is super ready for that person in your life who's like Thomas to put them to the test. He's ready, he's ready to be put to the test, sorry, by that person. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop unbelieving and believe. Thomas then says to him, my Lord and my God. My. My. Can you say that tonight about him? Is he, can you say my Lord and my God? Is he your Lord, your God, or is he just the Lord? Is he just the guy who's just God? Or is he actually yours? Have you had your own personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you come to him in repentance and said, I'm sorry for my sin and I believe that you died for me on the cross. Please forgive me. And, and have you put your, your life, your heart in his hands? I often think of the, the acronym RBBR. When the rubber hits the road, right? Rubber, RBBR, repent, believe, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Repent, believe, be baptized, and receive. That's how we become believers. That's how we become followers of Jesus. Individually, we say, my Lord and my God. And that's what Thomas does here. He has this encounter himself. He doesn't, you know, it's not, offen it's not offensive to the other disciples. They did their bit. And it's not offensive to you either, mums. You've done your bit. You know, you might think, well, it uh, sounds like I'm nagging my son or my daughter or, you know, whoever it is. I know my mum, she had some Thomases in her house growing up. She would go to church faithfully, you know, and we'd just, you know, kind of laugh at her faith. But she kept going. And I've had my own experience. My dad's had his own experience. And we're still praying for my brother. You know, it doesn't always work out. But every single one of us need to get to that point where we say, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who will not see and will still believe. He's talking past tense. Jesus is talking to Thomas. And he's saying, blessed are you because you've seen me and you believe. But more blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. It's really beautiful looking in the Hebrews chapter 11. You see all these people that have gone before in faith. You know, the, the hall of faith. They call it the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. You can see all these people, these ordinary folk in the Old Testament, named and unnamed, who have just said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And whether they knew it or not, they were doing that in the Old Testament. They were looking forward to Christ in the Old Testament. But Jesus is also talking about, I think, Mary. Mary outside the tomb. She didn't really see Jesus first. She heard his voice. Remember, she thought it was a gardener. She turned away. She heard a voice. She heard the voice call her name and she turned Rabbi, Rabboni. She heard. She didn't see and then believe. She heard and believed. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And, and next week, we're going to look a bit more about that. Um, hearing and faith and how it all works out. But here, Thomas, he hears the message from the disciples and he doesn't believe. But he hears the voice of Jesus saying, touch, see. 
And he knows, ah, you must be God. You must be my Lord and my, my God. And the whole of John's gospel is actually written. If you have a look in your Bibles, in verse 30, it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There's a lot of times the word believe is written in that passage we looked at tonight. Believe. Thomas is like, unless I see and touch, I will not believe. Jesus says to him, stop unbelieving and believe. And he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. It's all about believing. And believing comes not by sight. Believing comes by believing. Sight comes later. Believing comes by hearing God's voice, the word of God. Written scripture is only text on a page unless you're willing to hear the voice of God in it. And I just want to encourage you tonight with, um, with the Thomases in your life. You know, Jesus in Acts, 7, uh, Acts uh, 1, he says to the disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you read the whole book of Acts and you don't see him getting out to the ends of the earth so much. But church history proves that Thomas went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria all the way to India to preach the gospel and plant churches. Thomas. So you think about that Thomas back there and you think about your Thomas in your life. Don't stop praying for him. Don't stop praying for them because Jesus has heard there unless I seize. He has heard there if I see, I will believe. If I touch, if, if God turns up in my life, then I'll believe. Jesus is big enough to deal with that. And he knows exactly how to reach that person in your life, that Thomas. He knew exactly how to reach you and me. And he still does if we let him. But yeah, he's, he's, he's not ashamed to, uh, to call himself the Lord and God of Thomas. So um, how about we just pray and um, let's pray for those Thomases in our life. All right, let's, let's lift them up to the Lord together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you never gave up on us. You never do give up on us. And uh, you are like, a, like an old hymn, the, the hound of heaven. <laughs> you chase us down it, because of love. You chase us down. You never let us go. You're always, you're always looking at us and caring for us. And you're smiling upon us. And, and you're, you're wanting us to come to you, Jesus. You're wanting us to come to you and get closer to you. And, and I thank you, Lord, for this story of Thomas. I thank you, God, that you never gave up on Thomas. Thank you, God, that you, you work extraordinarily well with people who have doubts because you know how much that person can believe when you step in, when you turn up, when you show up. And so, Lord, we think of the people in our lives, Lord, our relatives, our friends, our neighbours, who are just like Thomas. Unless they see, unless they touch, they won't believe. Lord, I pray that you just help them to have an encounter with you. We lift them up to you, God. We think of them by name. And we pray even now, wherever they are right now, that your Holy Spirit would be calling to them their name, that you would do amazing things, Lord, that only they will understand.
but it's just you calling them. And Lord, we pray that they would come to a place like Thomas where they fall on their knees. They don't have to touch you. They don't have to have a great experience. They just need to believe. And then they will call you their Lord and their God. And, and so we just thank you so much, God, that you are able to do that. We lift them up to you, Father. And we pray on behalf of the mums, bring those children of yours home. Bring those Thomases home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.